Hello there, warriors. How are you guys doing today? Today is Tuesday, November 3rd, and yes, you guys are hearing from me on a Tuesday. Uh, I, today is a hectic day. Today is a day of dread. I know so many are dreading today. So many are are just wanting today to be over with because I'm one of those people. I want this day to be over with. But since we are here at this day, I want you guys to have a stress-free day. I just want you guys to listen to my podcast and enjoy my podcast and just be entertained by my podcast and not worry about what's going to happen and what's not going to happen because we can't control any of it. So, but we, I do have a good show here today. Uh, hopefully it's good for you guys. Um, I have with me, um, of course, uh, you know and love him. Uh, he's been on many, many, many times, Nathan Dilla. And we have a newbie today, guys. Uh, he's actually uh, Nathan's uh, good friend, and hopefully we will be good friends, too. <laughs> His name is Jesse Herrera. Jesse, how are you doing today? Hey, uh, not bad. How are you? I'm very well, sir. Thank you for asking. Uh, well, uh, oh, and let me not forget to introduce my son, because you guys will be hearing his voice all throughout this podcast. <laughs> He's uh, on his iPad, and I have Stranger Things playing for him in the background. So uh, hopefully that'll keep him entertained. But um, but let's talk about Lords of Salem. That's, that's what we're talking about right now, folks. Lords of Salem which was directed by Rob Zombie. I guess I am doing another Rob Zombie movie, figure that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, the actress that played, that, that played in this movie was his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, and she was the main character. Am I right, guys? She, she was the main character. Yeah, Heidi Hawthorne. Yes, yes. And it also um, starred um, Meg Foster and uh, Dee Wallace herself. Uh, uh, Dee Wallace has been everybody's mother <laughs> from E.T. E and um, she was the mother in, uh, oh gosh, what's that other movie? She played a mother. She was uh, Laurie Strode's mother in Rob Zombie's Yes, she sure was. Mom. Yes, she was. Yeah. I knew she played somebody else's mother. <laughs> She's done a lot of moms over the years. It's yes, funny. she has. Yes, she has. As a matter of fact, I read uh, when I was um, reading up on uh, Lords of Salem, uh, she had, she had uh, told Rob, thank you, because I hate uh, doing... Uh, I hate being the nice mom in movies. Yeah, <laughs> so, she, she, she was uh, typecast. To, to fully embrace an evil character. Yeah. That, well, that that's what you get for being typecast. You know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, a lot of actors and actresses go through that. Like Miley Cyrus went through that when she was in Disney. You know, she's like she wanted to take off that Disney persona. And do something wild. So, so uh, this this what happens when you get get yourself 
into those type of roles, you know. Um, so, but you can do something different. You, <laughs> you really go for it. So, <laughs> and she really went for the. Oh my gosh, she she was totally different in this movie. Totally unrecognizable. Uh, Definitely. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, uh, Nathan, I know you have a lot to say about this movie. Let's hear, <laughs> let's hear your thoughts about this movie. Um, yeah, um, so it's interesting with this film, um, a lot of people, like, it wasn't particularly received well when it came out in 2012. Um, a lot of people... Um, weren't expecting the the tone and the pace and and all that from Rob Zombie after the previous four films he had made. Um, and uh, what's interesting is over the years, um, and especially in the last couple of years, um, a lot of people have been revisiting it or even seeing it for the first time, and it's starting to gain quite uh, a like following. Like um, me. There's a lot of people that are starting to realize the quiet masterpiece that it is. Um, honestly, after watching it again for, I don't know, even know how many times I've seen it now, but each time I watch it, I fall more and more in love with the film. Um, my, you know, my favorite and I think the most fun Rob Zombie movie is House of a Thousand Corpses, but, um, when it comes to, like, his best film, I'm becoming more and more convinced that The Lords of Salem is his masterpiece. Um, just everything about it, the story, the characters, the actors who play the characters, the set location and set design, the cinematography, the score by John Five, um, just everything about it, like everything's top notch. Um, it's really like just delivers on all levels. Um, you know, it, it's, a uh, it's certainly his most like feminist film um you know it's essentially about female empowerment over the patriarchy um and i think it's one of if not the best uh acting by sherry moon zombie in any of the movie any of his seven films um i think her portrayal of the you know happy you know kind of metalhead radio dj heidi um and her slow descent into hell and downfall throughout the film is quite an underrated performance i think it shows that she has a lot of range um and it's just such a visual movie and such an experiential movie and it's just uh it's really solid in my opinion all right. Well, Jesse, how about you? What What is your opinion on uh, Lords of Salem? Um, it was my. I just watched it for the second time. Um, it's not my favorite Rob Zombie movie. I think my favorite is also House of a Thousand Corpses. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's a very good movie. I like the storyline of it a lot. Um, let's say Heidi is my favorite character. And I definitely agree that Cherry uh, Moon did a great performance. I think she did. I think she does actually the best in uh, Lords of Salem over all the other ones. 
It's very dark. It's definitely his darkest movie, I think. And uh, it's pretty disturbing. But, uh, <laughs> but um, it, it is cool. The performances were very well done. And it was a really interesting storyline. Yeah, I would have to agree, uh, Jesse, that it it is a very dark movie. <laughs> I don't know how anybody, you included, Nathan, I don't know how anybody could actually like uh, this movie because of how dark it is. It is very, you know, uh, I mean, uh, there's no... I like uh, scary movies that have, uh, I mean, uh, the reason why I like scary movies is because, you know, um, there's, a, you know, you have a, a hope at the end of the, a, a light at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel, if you will. And in this movie, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's no hope. Rob Zombie has any light. Anywhere, does it? <laughs> well, and, and that's the interesting thing, and the thing I like most about his films is, uh, you know, he throws out completely the trope that the good guy needs to win and good needs to prevail, and he's just like, hey, you know what? You know, sometimes evil wins. Well, and, and that is true. not only that, but, you know, sometimes the bad guys are actually the good guys, you know, like when it comes to the Firefly trilogy. You know, it's like the ones you're rooting for are actually the murderous killers. So, you know, I mean, I just love that he's unique in that way, that they're, you know, yeah. he fully embraces the darkness and the evil and um, and the fact that this movie, you know, I especially noticed this when I watched it again on Halloween night, but just from the first frame to the last frame, there's just this foreboding sense of demonic dread throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, he, and after reading a lot of interviews that he did about the film, um, that was fully intentional, um, in every frame for him. And he, he wanted people to leave the theater after having watched it questioning what it was they had just seen and feeling like they had just survived a two-hour-long nightmare. Well, if that was his intention, well done. <laughs> because... <laughs> be well done, Mr. Zombie, because that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely intentional. Is, 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 well, my hat's off to him. Because he did a good job, but however, I, I will say this, you know, because uh, like you said, you know, he, uh, Nathan, he, he uh, you know, he embraced the dark side and everything like that. But, uh, but with that dark side comes a light side. There is a light side. It be and just and you saying that, uh, you know, uh. Then that, then that means that there must be a good side. There must be a light somewhere. You know, maybe not in Rob Zombie's movies, but there is a light somewhere. Well, and the light, I think the light that is in the film is who Heidi is as a person before 
everything happens to her happens, um, which is why it's really important that at the very end of the film, it flashes back to her in the park playing fetch with her dog, showing how happy she used to be. Yeah. Because it really illustrates how far she fell. Um, she was you know, a completely different person, very positive and happy person and a loving person. Right. And she loved and, her job. And, you know, and she, she was just on a completely different trajectory um, before the events of the film begin to unfold. Which is what makes it, like, tragic what happens to her is because of right. things of her control that consume her, essentially. Yeah, I liked how it ended like that. that yeah. I think that was actually Sherry Moon's uh, suggestion was to show that footage at the end to to kind of illustrate like who she was before and how far she had fallen from oh, right. who she was. Right, because I mean, uh, and anybody could uh, if they're seduced by the dark side. Yeah, you are going to fall hard. You're going to fall hard. Betty points that out, you know, that she was essentially an innocent victim that was just doomed to an evil fate. You know, the film deals in talking about destiny and fate and how fate is uh, powers that be that are out of your control. But it's something that's going to happen regardless that you have no way of stopping. Um, which, you know, there's an argument to be had of whether or not destiny and fate or either one or both exist, but, you know, in the context of the film, it's that dark fate that she can't stop from happening. Um, that is the tragedy. Right, but the, the thing about that is we can stop it from ha- happening but we have to trust. We have to trust in something bigger, bigger than ourselves. We have to trust in Jesus Christ. Essentially, we have to trust you know, in goodness, you know, to overcome the bad thing. But we are jumping way ahead, guys. <laughs> We're jumping way ahead here. Uh, oh, I mean, I could talk about this movie and detailed analysis for like five hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder why we're jumping ahead. <laughs> There's just so much there. There's a lot of meat There is. Here. There is. There really is. But, um, well, um, we already heard your favorite um, character, uh, Jesse. You say your favorite character was Heidi. Uh, Nathan, who was your favorite character? Well, when I was thinking about that question, I was thinking, you know, well, the obvious answer is Heidi Hawthorne, but I wanted to actually answer with my second favorite character, um, mm-hmm. or my favorite character outside of the main character, um, and that is Bruce Davison's um, brilliant performance as um, yes. Francis Matthias, yes. the, the uh, expert on the Salem Witch. Uh, well, expert to an extent on the, you know, yeah. the Salem Witch Trials. The guy that wrote the book? Yeah, right. the guy that wrote the book and was on the radio show. Uh-huh. Um, Bruce Davison's a great actor, and honestly, out of all the performances or characters of his that I've seen in films, this is by far my favorite of his. Um, he is used, you know, in the film 
as a way of, uh, you know, expository purposes, like explaining like the details of what's going right. on. Um, exactly. But it's done so deftly and so subtly that it's not like hokey or like, oh, thanks for pointing out the obvious or whatever. You know, it, it wasn't a junk character or a throwaway character. Like his performance is just very nuanced and uh, subtle. Um, and watching him like slowly uncover this dark plot by Margaret Morgan and her coven of six um, is just amazing uh, to see um, how he goes about uncovering it. Um, it really you know, deciphering was. The song and finding it in Nathaniel or Jonathan Hawthorne's uh, diary. Uh, the the research he does to uncover everything, uh, and it's just a really like cool character, I think. Yes, and, and I agree with you, Nathan. That was my he was my very character. <laughs> yeah, and that I'm sure that didn't come as a surprise to you, but but he was my favorite character, and I take back what I just just said about the movie having no hope. Actually, he gave me the hope that I was yeah. looking for. You know? Well, and the other thing that's interesting is that there was another character that was a hopeful character, and that was uh, Whitey, played by Jeffrey Daniel Phillips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. In, in all of Rob Zombie's movies, and really in for speaking to a lot of films, especially horror films, his character was so pure of heart. Yes, um, yes, a, you could tell, yeah. For Heidi, and he was truly concerned of her, you know. Yeah, like, like at the did. end, um, not the end, but when he went to her apartment and they had, before she goes to the opera, uh, yeah. he had her. And then, and she was just like, bye. And he's like, well, well the look on his face was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, yeah. but, but it was well, very, it was a very warm face, you know, it was very warm because it was like he really cared for her, and you could tell yeah. that. You know, he was concerned, you know, partway through the film that she had relapsed into her drug addiction, when at that point she hadn't, but he was genuinely concerned because he had genuine care for her, and mm -hmm. he just, he was the most outside of Francis Matthias, he was the most innocent and pure of heart character. Right. Yep. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And my second question is, uh, who was your least favorite character? Uh, Nathan, we'll go to you first um, for this one. Who was your least favorite character? Um, honestly, I thought about this long and hard, and I can't really give an answer for that because mm -hmm. I love every single character in this movie so much for different <laughs> reasons. Uh -huh. um, I just, I think like the characters he wrote and the people he cast and the performances they gave oh, yeah, were, yeah. were so spot on that I can't really point to a, a least favorite character. All right. Uh, Jesse, how about you? Do you have a least favorite character or not? Um, I do. I, I also do like all the characters, I guess, to a point. Mm -hmm. But um, I do have a least favorite character. I guess that would be um, Margaret Morgan. Mm -hmm. the, 
the leader witch of the um, the coven of six. Yeah. So I guess she would be my least favorite character because. Well, I guess because yeah, I guess because she's the leader of the. Oh, the witches. <laughs> yeah. It makes yeah, sense I mean, to me. <laughs> I mean, Meg yeah. Foster really does deliver a chilling, she does. disturbing. She really does. <laughs> she really does. I mean, that yeah. part in the beginning where it flashes back to the 1600s and they're at the fire, that was one of the most disturbing scenes, I think, in the whole movie. Yeah, when, when Rob Zombie uh, was considering casting her, he said he couldn't think of anything she had done in her career that even touched on um, the character he had written. And he uh, called her up and he talked to her and he said that as he got to know her, he felt more confident she would be good for the role. And um, she was interested in the character and ended up delivering big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well. I had seen her picture because she had, she was actually at Texas Farmer Weekend uh, last year. Yeah, I think so. And when I saw her picture, one of the first uh, and remember remember I have not I had not seen Lords of Salem mm. at that time, but when I saw her picture. I said, she looks like she could be in a Rob Zombie movie. That's what yeah. I told myself. I well, said, she really looks like in, she uh, could. His film after that, 31, mm -hmm. where she played the, the leader, ringleader of the Carnies. Oh, and I haven't, I haven't seen that. You got to remember, I am not a fan of Rob Zombie, so I have not really seen. The only movies I have seen... Um, uh, of Rob Zombie's prior to this one and House of uh, House of Corpses is his Halloween movies, and I was not a fan of those. Yeah, well, and it's interesting you bring that up because that was one of the things that uh, I found in my research um, with interviews, calling through interviews of Rob Zombie, and uh, you know, he said, you know, first he talked about his interests, and he said, you know, I have very peculiar interests and the things I'm interested in, most people aren't. And right. um, he, he, he believes that, you know, he, he talked about paranormal activity, the original one, and he said, you know, it's a perfectly fine and valid film. But the problem is, is when movies like that get made and they're successful, um, everybody just starts in the horror genre, just copies them. And then you get like... Right. Well, he's horror, right about that. Found footage for films that all look exactly the same because they were exactly. shot in the same way. And yep. he said at that point, movie, you know, movies and things just become bland and unoriginal in that regard. You know, he's like, most things in the world are made for a mass audience, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, when sometimes when they're making these things, they say, oh, everybody needs to like this TV show. Everybody needs to like this movie. Everybody needs to like such and such. And he says he has no concern about that at all. Um, and he knows that his aesthetics and, and the thing, his art, um, mm -hmm. that everybody's not going to like it. And he doesn't make his stuff for, for everybody to like it. I can respect that. that. 
you know, he, he, he just knows that there's a particular audience that's going to love his stuff and then other people are going to hate it. And it's, right. it's not intended for, you know, every horror fan to be a fan of his films. And he understands that and doesn't, isn't bothered by it, I guess. Right, right. And, and, and you know what? I respect him for that because he's right, actually, because uh, one of the things I don't like is about horror movies is that a lot of people are doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, you know, so uh, yeah. for that, I do agree with them, but I, I just can't get past the demonic stuff <laughs> you know right. you know his well, demonic stuff is i mean his his stuff is just in my opinion it, it, it doesn't have to be yours or jesse's or any of our uh, my listeners but to me his stuff is demonic and that's the only thing that's what i can't get that's what i can't get through <laughs> you know yeah. but i do respect him i respect him as a director i respect him as an artist because he's also a, a musician so oh, yeah. I respect the heck out of him, you know. Yeah, and on along those same lines, he had talked briefly about PG thirteen horror movies, and he was uh, he was kind of in the same headspace about that as I am mm -hmm. about like them not being that them being watered down horror movies. Oh um, yeah, that most that definitely are just made for the mass market. So like the majority, you know, we, we want a bigger audience. So we're going to let 13 year olds see our movie. And, and in the process, they end up watering it down and you lose a lot of that uh, cool horror aesthetic when you do that. Right. I guess I can, I guess I can understand that because if you're going to make it a horror movie, then you probably want to make it as brutal as you possibly can. Yeah, brutal oh, yeah. or dark or dreadful or, you know, existential terror. Like, there's got to be some elements in there that, that make it worthy of being rated R. I mean, the genre right, lends exactly. itself to being an adult genre, so. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, um, her, her and Nev Campbell were talking. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I think it was either Ness or uh, or Jamie. I can't remember which one said this, but they were like, you know, I was at a con, and you know, she was signing autographs and everything like that. And this um this kid comes up, and, and she's like, "You have seen my movie? You're like eight. What are you doing watching this? <laughs> you know." <laughs> but, but but you know, I mean. You have to know your your kids. That's first and foremost. Right. You know, I I've um, discussed this very thing when um, I discussed Warlock because this movie is not the first occultist movie that I've done. You know, I I did Warlock. I did um, Hereditary last year. I did um, Summer of Fear on Saturday. I don't know if you guys have heard of that movie, and uh, it stars Linda Blair. And that was made back in 1978. But this movie right here, this particular movie, I will not. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, when I the um, when I saw it for the first time, I had bought it off of YouTube, and I was watching it on my phone while my son was, you know, watching his iPad or whatever. I would not watch this in front of him. 
or any of the kids. I wouldn't watch it in front of my niece or my nephew or anything like that because right. this movie is just so dark. Right. And it's very demonic. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I would not, and I wouldn't tell my listeners to let their kids watch it either, you know. Yeah. Unless you know, know for sure that they can handle it. If you know for sure that they, they that they can handle it, okay, be my guest. Do you. Do you. But. Well, and I want to backtrack a little on what I said a minute ago. Like, I'm glad that there's, like, PG-13 horror and, like, kids horror movies and stuff because there needs to be an entry point into the genre for younger people. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, for sure. But I feel like at a certain point, you know, you need to, like, grow up right. and move on to, right. like, legit horror. Well, yeah, like when you're like 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> right. And that's fine, um, for sure, you know. Um, but going back to what you just said, Latrice, um, uh, I definitely think that, you know, Rob Zombie's films are certainly not for children, maybe mid to late teens. Um, yeah. But, but certainly not for kids in any form or fashion. Oh, most definitely not. Most definitely not. Well, uh, what was your favorite scene? Uh, uh, Jesse, we'll go to you with, um, for this one. Now, what was your favorite scene of Lords of Salem? Uh, my favorite scene, I think, well, it's kind of tied between two different scenes. Mm-hmm. So, one of the scenes I want to say would be where the witches are Leading Heidi to the uh, the door down the hallway, room number five or something, mm-hmm. um, and she goes into the door and it's like I don't know what kind of place it was that she was in, but it was like one of the most I think visual scenes of the movie, and she got all that face paint on and that demon child or whatever she was looking at, and yeah. Um, so that one was pretty visual, which is why I liked that one. Um, another, the other scene I think which was one of my favorites was, uh, let's see, um, well, I liked the, it wasn't the very ending of the movie, but it was the, I guess basically the ending of the story, um, where she's standing on the stage. Um, and all the dead bodies are there. That was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, like what you were saying, Nathan, the, cine- the cinemagraphy on the on this film was actually pretty nice. It was quite good. The, the, uh, the lighting and the artistry, you know, even I can admit that, you know, I can admit that the the artistry was good, the the lighting, because um, as she was, I think she was kind of like, what, floating in the air with the dress on or something like that at the end. Uh, that, well, yeah, she's that, like standing on the top of the... Yeah, that, the I mean... Of the Salem women, and I mean, that was... At that point, been reincarnated as... Right, right. What, that, what that, that was... A neat picture, you know, and like, like, kind of like a painting, 
if you will. Yeah. Like a painting you will put on your wall or what have you, you know. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, well, Nathan, what was your uh, what was your favorite scene? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, this one's kind of a difficult one because there's so many. Uh, I do want to touch on like what Jesse was saying. The uh, so I think I figured this out. Um, in re in reading the interviews with Rob Zombie, uh, he talks about how um, like the storyline and what's happening wasn't intended to be like cut and dry fully explained fully gift wrapped and bookended on both ends and totally coherent and in you know just completely clear like he wanted people to kind of leave the first viewing of it thinking like what just happened um and it, uh he said it's more of about the visuals and the way it makes you feel um, and so he's essentially left it open to interpretation as to some of the ins and outs of the narrative. Um, and I have my own theories on this. Talking about that scene um, that Jesse was talking about when the, when the witches, the three sisters, um, take uh, Honey Hawthorne down the hall of her house or where she lives, um, they are essentially performing a dark magic um, ritual. Um, and I believe they use that apartment number five. I, I believe it's intentionally left empty. Um, and she just tells her tenants that she can't rent it out. I think it's intentionally left empty for the purpose of uh, spellcrafting and use as a portal. Um, and I believe what they were doing was, you know, they drew the, the Lords of Salem symbol and then they opened the door to the apartment and i believe the ritual that they performed essentially turned the door of that apartment into an interdimensional portal that took heidi to where she ended up um i believe that where she was was the dimension of hell um and uh the creature you know that she interfaces with as Jesse was talking about that's actually satan incarnate um, it, it, uh, I think it was actually Rob Zombie that kind of said it's kind of a, a combination of a deformed baby and an overcooked Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> um, and that was the reason Satan is portrayed in such a bizarre and uh, unique way is because uh, he did not like the idea of just some like red guy with horns like everybody always does. Um, and so he wanted to come up with something completely original. Um, I believe that, you know, the, the plot of the film essentially is that Heidi is the direct descendant of Jonathan Hawthorne and that she is supposed to um, essentially birth uh, Satan into the world, uh, Satan incarnate. And uh, she has several visions of this leading up to the final scene in the auditorium in Salem. Um, and I believe that the final step getting her to accept her faith is that ritual when she goes to the dimension of and interfaces with Satan, I believe, when she's holding the tendrils and he's, like, shaking and making all those weird sounds that he's actually transferring his satanic power to her um, and thereby sealing her faith. Um, and uh, further evidence that this is the dimension of hell that they're in is at the end of the film, 
essentially after the mass suicide of the Salem women, the descendants of the people who perpetrated the the witch trials, um, they are seen walking in that same venue that she was in, um, naked with masks on, and one of the shadow or charred shadow men in kind of like a sacrilegious cardinal's outfit is ushering them into this same space. And I believe that is after their mass suicide, and he's essentially ushering the Salem woman into the kingdom of hell. You know what? I just uh, remembered that I did not tell you guys my least favorite character. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nathan. I, I was listening to everything that you, that you said, Nathan, and I, 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 I agree with your points on on everything that you said. But I was just like, wait a minute, I forgot to give them my least favorite character. <laughs> um, okay, uh, my least favorite character was not Meg Foster's character, to be honest. She wasn't my least favorite. I didn't like her sister, uh, Lacey. <laughs> there was something about Lacey that I don't know. I, I kind of thought maybe she was jealous that she wasn't the head witch. <laughs> Wait, which one are you talking about? Uh, Lacey. I, I think it, uh, not, not, uh, the Wallace's character, but the uh, other. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, I didn't like her. I didn't like her. I thought maybe she was jealous of, you know, that she wasn't the head witch or something. <laughs> but, um, no, that was just a joke. But, um, but no, I, I, there was something about her that I didn't like. Uh, even more so than the other witches, you know. But, but Lacey, there was just something about her. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. But there was just. I mean, I, I do think her character is the one that you can tell right away that she has ulterior motives. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's not as effective in concealing her true intentions for Heidi as the other two are. Yeah, yeah. And and even the sisters was like, well, cut that S-H-I-T out, you know. Right. Uh, you want to scare her away or, you know, they didn't actually say that, but you know, that, that was, they might as well have. Cause you know, like, like she said, you know, sometimes she could be, be just overboard, you know? So. Right. You know, cause she's the one that, you know, reveals to Heidi that she has a dark fate and mm-hmm. talks about her, mm-hmm. you know, essentially freaks her out by saying, you know, you have All that stuff. a darkness inside your heart that, you know, is pouring out through the, juices between your legs <laughs> you know she's very graphic and dark and very graphic my god definitely spooks Heidi to leave so yeah that was my least favorite uh part uh, I mean my least favorite character I forgot to I completely forgot to tell you guys that so uh but um uh now my next question is um well, what's your least favorite scene, if you have one? Nathan, you probably don't have a least favorite scene, but I'm going to ask you anyway. 
What's your least favorite yeah, no. scene? Um, uh, well, it's my least favorite scene because of what happens, um, not because of the way it was done or performed or anything like that. Um, the one, I feel like the biggest tragedy for a character in the film is when Francis Matthias is murdered. Yeah. Uh, when he is beat, you know, over the head with a cast iron skillet. Uh, because I liked that character so much. It just really sucks that he was like essentially, I mean, aside from the, the mass suicide at the end, he was the one death. Yeah, they had the to one, go. The one murder in the yeah. film. And so that, like, I understand why his character died and why he had to in that situation, but it still really sucks because that character is just so cool. Yes. He, he was, uh, I like you, Nathan, he was my favorite character as well. So when yeah. he died, I was like, no, no. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's more devastating than what happens to Heidi. Because with Heidi, it's like we have the whole movie to prepare for what's coming. Whereas with yeah, because we kind of, well, we already kind of know what's coming. We already know, right. uh, you know, because. Whereas we don't, we don't know that with him per se. And. Uh, yeah. I'll try and tone this quote down because I know your son's in the room, but the, the line of dialogue that Judy Geeson says before they... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he says, do you want to, you know, are you here to stick your nose in your tour her head and have her brain? Apparently that line all three of the women that play the sister witches love that line so yeah much. i read that too i i i found that so hilarious yeah i think how it was written but uh, the other two were very jealous that they didn't get to say that line because right. it really is a really forceful and blunt unique yes <laughs> I felt the same way about that character getting killed, though, because yeah. he was the one who was trying to really actually help. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was the one that actually understood what was going on and what the stakes were. Yeah. He was the only one that essentially had figured it out, because even though Whitey cared, he had no idea what was, what going, was going on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas he essentially uncovered the entire plot. Yep. Um, and and I think that's right. why Whitey's character was spared because you know yeah. th they didn't kill him, him at all. They just let him go out. You know, even she well, said he wasn't really a threat because he was oblivious. Yeah, you know, so they, the witches saw Matthias as a threat because they could tell that he knew something about what was going on. Right, right. So is that your least favorite scene too, Jesse? Uh, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite scene. Um, uh, I did feel the same way about that character getting killed, though, because yeah. that way it's kind of like you want him to be able to help Heidi. Yeah. Yes. Probably the one at the beginning where they're the, the witches, the coven, is around the fire. Basically, dancing around the fire. Kind of like that one, or the scene where it's, um, it's the flashback scene 
Jesse, the, with the baby. Um, they had a, obviously, the baby looks incredibly real, uh, but it was actually animatronic and battery powered. Um, but apparently, Meg Foster, like, kind of improv in that scene, and she she went on for so long and she got so into the scene and kind of carried on for so long building up to when they take the baby out that when they first did it um she had gone on so long that when they finally took the baby out the batteries had died oh wow <laughs> um it was funny uh rob Tommy was commenting he said uh He's like, it looked like a real baby anyway. So he was like, I, we should just spit on a real baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Uh, I saw that, too. I did read the article. That I think I think I read comment. the same article as you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, and then going back to that first scene um, around the fire at the beginning, um, that scene... Obviously, they were all really naked in that scene, and uh, but apparently, where and when they filmed it, it was actually freezing cold that night, mm. and uh, it was so cold. Uh, originally, the scene was supposed to be longer, and there was more to it. Um, I think the way it ended up is perfect, and even Zombie has said the way the film ended up is how he wanted it. Mm. But that scene was supposed to be longer, but it was so cold that uh, Rob Zombie realized that he needed to truncate the scene and shorten it up when Make Foster as Margaret Morgan uh, could no longer remember the word Satan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read that, that too. Because <laughs> so she literally, like, forgot the word Satan. Yeah, I read that too. Matter of fact, I think I might have that in my fun facts. I'm not, I'm not sure. I forget what I wrote down. <laughs> but I think I might have that in my fun facts. What, what Jesse? They said Satan. They did. Uh, that, I mean, they, you know, they were able to get on film, you know, eventually by the end of the night what they needed but it was just the fact that it was so cold that at one point she couldn't even remember the word so well, you know, shoot, that's, I think at that point he reminded her of what it was and that happened that happens more than we know in a lot of movies man I, I mean uh, Friday the 13th part 4 you know um, the girl has to get into the water you know and it was like freezing cold out she said and uh the guy who play, who plays jason he actually said you know what if you don't get her warm i'm walking i will not play this part anymore they had to you know they have to get her warm and so um so yeah i mean that does happen in movies i don't think i could be an actor i cannot do cold guys i was just i was just telling jesse 
I'm glad that we moved out of Michigan because I can't stand the cold. I love heat. Mm. So well, I know, cannot be an like actor. That, stuff like that's obviously unavoidable on, to an extent on film sets. Like you have a certain, you know, you have a finite amount of time and your location is what your location is and you can't, you know, control the weather. And so yeah, you have yeah. to make best with what you got. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Like, nobody got hurt or anything that night. It was just, like... It was just cold, that's all. Yeah, it was just, you know, really cold for doing a scene in the nude, essentially. I mean, they did have the fire, but um, still. Yeah. Now, my least favorite scene is uh, um, actually the church scene. And, you know, I can't... (laughs) Uh, and because there are kids in my room, I have my son and my niece has just come in. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, the church scene in which she um, dreams that she is um, doing something to the priest that she has no business. Well, I would say it like that. Know, that's revealed to be a, a dark vision, not a Yes, yes, that yes. Happens, Thank but. God it was just a dream or a nightmare or whatever it is. Like you said, a dark vision. Thank yeah. God it was just that. But uh, I guess <laughs> that was. So it's really funny with that scene, though. Um, it's funny that they even thought they had a shot at this. But apparently they uh, that scene is not filmed in a real church. Um, they made that. Um, and uh, it's funny that they thought they had ch- a chance at this, but apparently they right. tried to check at several churches to see if they could film there, and every church would look to take one look at the script, and they were like, "No way." <laughs> exactly. I just thought it was funny that they even like attempted, let alone attempted multiple times to like, "Hey, can we film this like horrifically?" sacrilegious like demonic scene in your church <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that didn't go over so well that uh, that wouldn't go over so well <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean come on right I, I just think it's so funny that they that they actually attempted multiple times to to secure a, a real location for something that of that nature, you know. Right. It's just, it's so funny. Yeah, I can't believe he actually tried to. Yeah, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, I could have told you, like, don't even waste your time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just not, nobody's going to say yes to that. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. As a matter of fact, I do think we read the same article, Nathan, because it did say in the article that um, uh, the, the uh, uh, he gave his script to a lot of um, priests, I think, or a lot of pastors. Oh, and. Wow. And a lot of them said no things. They read that script and said, "Oh heck, no, nope, nope, right? <laughs> <laughs> nope." <laughs> I mean, I appreciate his attempt at authenticity, but I mean, what they came up with for the set for that scene—I mean, it looks like, like yeah, it does. It, that there, looks like, like a know. it looked like a Catholic church to me. Yeah, I mean, it looked like you know a, a small little chapel, Catholic chapel. Um, it looks legit in the film, but. So, 
But yeah, that's, that's a pretty fun fact. Yes. Yes. Well, my uh, my last question is actually we all we actually went over it. Uh, you know uh, how this uh, Lords of Salem pertain to the Bible. We actually did that first. So, <laughs> but um, so uh, like I said, we, we were getting ahead of ourselves. You know, but uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, uh, witchcraft is very real, but you have to know as well that and as well. Uh, we have a dark side, which Rob Zombie, you know, conveys in all of his own films. But there's also a light side. There's a good side, and and there's Jesus. There's Jesus Christ, for that matter. You know, we have two sides. You know, uh, it's just a matter of which one are you going to follow. Which one are you going to choose? That's what. That's my. That's my take on that, anyway. Yeah. Well, and, you know, out of all the movies that I've done on this podcast, like, this one relates the most to the Bible just because it's so diametrically opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, know, you don't, you can't have that opposition without, you know, you can't have that opposition without the light. Without, right. because... If, I mean, without the light, there is no opposition. So. Well, and, you know, essentially the stance the movie takes, you know, from the very beginning with Margaret Morgan and the Coven of Six is, you know, they, they you know, they, they refer to the Bible. They say, you know, I spit upon the book of lies. They refer to Jesus as the deceiver of mankind. Right. Um, when they, they are, in fact, the deceivers. Um, and, uh, you know, the the whole setup for the film is that they're, you know, they're opposed to Christianity and the persecution is bringing them in Salem in 1617 or whatever year it was. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, their curse that they put on the daughters of Salem is essentially, mm-hmm. you know, we will have our revenge, we'll come back and, you know, and the, you know, essentially the distant. It just came to me. This film. Hawthorne is going to birth the incarnation of Satan into this world. So it just came to me. Like parallel to the Bible, but definitely very opposed in every way. It just came to me. This movie is a very, 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 very darker version of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely. Uh, very, 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 very dark, but it's focus, focus, (laughs) essentially. Yeah, (laughs) any movie I've seen about witchcraft, this is definitely the most, um, demonic and uh, satanic, and not satanic in like Levian, not like Church of Satan or Temple of Satan, who are essentially atheists and treat Satan as a symbol. And it's more of a philosophy, but satanic in the sense of like devil worship and devil yes. summoning. Yes. Um, and I, I just can't do it. Witchcraft movie out there, I think. I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Nathan, and I can't do it. And I'm so glad that I do not have to watch this movie again. <laughs> uh, now, I, I do think it is important to note, though, and they mentioned this in the film. Um, 
uh, Francis Matthias mentions this when he's on Holly's radio show. Um, what is portrayed in the film with Margaret Morgan that come in six? That is more um, urban legend hysteria and psychosis related than real. And but there are, you know, in the modern day there are Wiccans, and it's a right. You know, it's a polytheistic pagan religion that is not even remotely that doesn't even remotely resemble what is portrayed in the Lords of Salem. And I think that it's important to make that distinction that that form of witchcraft is good natured and holistic and uh, positive energy and light versus the polar opposite of that right. that is portrayed in versus the, film. the darkness. Yeah. Right. Well, like I said, you know, uh, we uh, we have the dark side, and then we have Jesus Christ, his his side, which is the holy of holies and and stuff like that. Right. And Jesse, I'm sorry, we're leaving you out. Jesse, <laughs> what do you have to say about uh, about it pertaining to the Bible? If you have an opinion on it at all. Um, I. Agree with both of your opinions about that. Um, so, yeah, it's really just um, I mean, you know, if you think about it, even in the Bible days, you know, in, in the Bible days, like they practiced black magic and they worship. Yeah, that was the Old yeah. Testament. But uh, the, in the Old Testament, you, you're right, they did. But, um, and I have wrote down. I think that's what the Bible refers to is that type of, of craft, you know? And I have wrote down a scripture. Uh, Ezekiel 13 and 23 says, um, therefore, you will no longer um, see false visions or practice divination, and I will and I will deliver my people out of your hand. Thus, you will know that I am the Lord. So, you know, it, it, you're right, um, uh, Jesse, they did, um, you know, uh, uh, practice divination and and such um, uh, in the Old Testament, but but the Lord does not want us uh, participating in black magic and black in in black magic. You know, he he just doesn't. He wants us to to depend on him and and nobody else. So uh, that that that's just that's my take on it. So, uh, but, um, but, well, I, I'm ready to go on to the fun facts, though. Uh, and I think, uh, Nathan, you Nathan, you took most of all my fun facts, I think. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, oh, you're fine. Um, I was excited. Well, my fun fact number one. My fun fact number one, though, you didn't take. Um, there are no digital effects in the film. So um, uh, I, I don't really know what that means, but I'm. I'm uh, well, 
that is actually referring to uh, apparently uh, Rob Zombie gets asked a lot uh, mm-hmm. by fans and stuff mm-hmm. why the scene in the hallway of Heidi's building, um, why he did the rats with CGI. Oh. And, and he said this confuses him because the rats were 100% real. Oh, okay. So he didn't yeah. use CGI, is what he's no, talking no, about. Was, I mean, the the budget was it was a low budget film, and and there was that wasn't even possible to do some stuff like that. Oh, okay. Done at all. Like, well, that's one thing. There's a little bit of animation towards the end and stuff, but mm-hmm. there's no CGI. Well, then that's what that's what I respect about him is that he didn't use cgi because a lot of a lot of people do use cgi in their horror films nowadays yeah and, and to my knowledge the only time he's used cgi was in his latest one three from hell there were a, a couple of tricky scenes that couldn't have been done like realistically the way he wanted it mm-hmm. um and so there was a couple of framer shots that contain some CGI because doing it realistically would have been uh, too dangerous. Oh. Well, I, I got you. I get it. So, But it's done really well. I mean, it, it looks good in the film. Uh, oh, um, yeah, it does. And, but and, other than that, he's always just been uh, practical effects, for sure. And my fun fact number two is, well, we didn't uh you didn't discuss this uh nathan but you did say it um uh fun fact number two says meg foster described working with rob zombie as an experience like no other in her career uh comparing it to walk walking through a labyrinth And well, she must have liked it because she ended up taking an even bigger role in 31. So. Right, right. And uh, my fun fact number three is um, Rob Zombie has hinted at this film being a metaphorical and spiritual prequel to his Halloween film. Now, that confuses me because you would think that this movie here was like a spiritual sequel to House of a Thousand Corses or something. Not Halloween. I don't understand Halloween either. I don't know why you said that. I would have to look more into that. I'm not sure what I hadn't seen that quote, so Oh okay. Yeah, I, I got now I got this quote off of the IBDM or IDBM. Or, yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Internet Movie Database. Yes, yes. And um, fun fact number four is um, it was filmed in the actual town of Salem. And Um, Actually, what I had read on that was they mainly just uh, did what they did in Salem was mainly the outdoor stuff and then the rest of it was shot uh, on in Los Angeles. That's what I had found. I don't know. Oh, okay. They did do some filming in Salem, though, obviously, for the right, right. general aesthetic of, of Salem and everything, and Massachusetts in general. 
Right. Uh, Rob Zombie actually grew up in Massachusetts. So. Oh, okay. Which is, yeah. why, which is why he, um, you know, was also drawn to this story because he said, like, no matter where you are in Massachusetts, there's always, like, lots of old churches and old cemeteries and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. older buildings and things. And this just kind of this general spooky feeling about, like, the past still existing in the modern day. Right. All right. Well, my last fun fact is um, Rob Zombie wrote himself a novelization of the film along with writer Brian Evanson. According to Zombie, the novelization is based on his original screenplay, which differs significantly from the final script used in the film. Yeah. And I was reading on that, too, that, uh, um, you know, he uses a lot of big stars in this film and horror legends. And uh, in the final film, you're like, oh, he casts like such a big horror legend for such a small part. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the, the two people that in 1617 that chained Margaret Morgan up to the spikes chair and put the iron mask on her, played by Michael Berryman and Sid Haig. Um, and then Barbara Crampton is one of the modern day Salem women. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, originally for Sid Haig and Barbara Crampton, there there were supposed to be more story and fleshed out characters for them um, because every one of the modern day Salem women that were entranced by the song when it was played on the radio and mm-hmm. ended up going to the auditorium at the end, all of them were supposed to be directly related to, to people at that uh, witch burning. Oh, okay. Um, and Sid Haig's character was supposed to have more storyline that explained his character and then Barbara Crampton is actually was cast because she was supposed to be the direct descendant of Sid Haig's character Um, and she was going to have a more fleshed out story um, that connected her story with his Um, there was a lot of little things like that throughout the film that ended up changing for budgetary reasons and uh, but Zombie said that you know, a lot of our choices were made, like, in the editing room and stuff like that, but that ultimately, the film, the way it ended up, he said he wouldn't have it any other way. hmm And I have a fun fact, if you... If oh, you yes, yes. Nathan, please, go ahead. So Give this is a really more cool, like, just general filmmaking story um, and a peek inside things. So, Rob Zombie loves the way his Halloween movies turned out. Mm -hmm. Um, He was ultimately able to achieve what he wanted to. Um, But the process of doing those two films um, almost back-to-back was like a four-year process. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the first and I think only time that he worked directly in the studio system, like with Universal. Um, And uh, he said... Um, there were lots of, lots of tension and heated arguments with the studio about the direction of the films. Um, he would like film things and they would get dailies and then they'd send them like a thousand pages of notes of things they didn't like or wanted changed, uh, which resulted in lots of arguments and 
everything. Like I said, he, he was ultimately pleased with what he was able to do, but he said it was just such an excruciatingly stressful four years for him. Oh, yeah. And after he made the way to, he was uh, so burnt out because of his experience that he uh, was pretty much done with filmmaking kind of indefinitely. Um, oh, wow. He wasn't sure if he was going to make another movie or not. He hadn't made a decision on it, but he, he was just so burnt out. Um, and uh, um, one uh, little while after that, um, about seven years before the Salem came out, he was staying at a hotel in Salem, and actually, I think they had a little book, a little cheap book, he said, on the Salem Witch Trials, and he picked it up and, you know, bought it or whatever, and he started reading it and got inspired to start writing a script, and he ended mm -hmm. up writing about 30 pages or so, and then, uh, for whatever reason, ended up shelving it, just threw it in the desk, he said, and that was kind of that. Uh, you know, a few years went by, um, he was actually, at the time, he was more interested in making a record than another film, mm -hmm. um, but this was before they were really well-known and a household name, but uh, Blumhouse, Jason Blum and Blumhouse mm -hmm. um, actually approached Rob Zombie. He wasn't looking for a project, but they approached him and they said, we want to make, uh, we want, want him to fund and have you make uh, a low budget horror film. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, you know, it's low budget. We'll give you the, the money um, and you will have complete and total control over everything. And they said, our only stipulation is we would like it to be something uh supernatural or psychological in nature and we don't want it to be as, uh, like as violent as your other things. Um and uh being offered the chance to have complete creative control after what he had gone through with Halloween, he was very interested. Right. Um, and ended up remembering the script that he had started writing years before and he pulled it out. He actually ended up rewriting the whole thing from scratch, but was inspired by what he had written before. Um, and we got his most creative and complete creative vision in its purest form out of Lords of Salem because mm -hmm. of the deal that he got from Jason Blum. Right. Well, he got to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. It was basically... You know, and the only constraint, the only thing that changed anything about his original vision was just budgetary constraints, but as right. far as creative decisions, like he said, after he made it, he was like, uh, the film that I made, if I would have taken this film to any studio anywhere, no one would have oh, made no. it. No, no one I don't think so either. <laughs> like, you know, he just went so far on into the dark side with this. Oh film, yeah, that, he went very far. But like you said before, Nathan, you know, uh, Rob Zombie, he isn't for everybody, and, right. and and even Rob Zombie knows that. You know, he knows oh, yeah. that, and yeah. so. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. He actually said uh, he said he's not sure why he said it. 
in hindsight because he's never said this about anything he's worked on. But when he did the screening of Lords of Salem at South by Southwest in Austin before it came out in theaters, um, he, uh, he actually told the audience beforehand, 50% of you are going to love this movie and think it's the best horror movie you've ever seen. And 50% of you are going to hate it. Mm-hmm. So he knew that what he had created was for a very niche audience, I think. Right. But like I said earlier, uh, more people are learning to appreciate this film. I'm seeing more and more every year on Twitter. There's more people embracing it after having watched it again or having viewed it for the first time outside of the negative publicity window. Um, And it's gaining fans. Like it's becoming appreciated as one of his greatest films and definitely gaining a cult following. Well, that is good for him. That's good news for him because, you know, that means that he can, um, that he can't keep directing and stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially a film that, that saved his desire. His career. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll go on to the cast and crew that, that has passed on, and actually, there's only one that has passed on, and that is Mr. Sid Haig himself, uh, the legend. Uh, he played uh, Dean Magnus, and he died September 21st, 2019, and he was 80 years old. And uh, Guys, that's the end of my podcast. I don't have any more fun facts or no more questions. No more cast the crew that has died. And, <laughs> and usually I would um do my groupers reaction, but because today is just um today is just bonus episodes, you know, essentially. I just wanted to come on here and you know just take people's minds off of the uh, the craziness that is today for at least an hour. Or so you know so there was uh one more death though oh was there um the man i can't remember his name now for some reason oh. totally blank but um do you remember the man that played the principal in rob zombie's first halloween movie uh, yes that helped that hauls michael into his office and calls um dr loomis in. oh yes yes um, i remember that actor was originally the one uh that was filming uh, was playing Jonathan Hawthorne in the flashback sequences. Oh, uh, I think his name is Charles Lynch. I think I did read about him. Charles Lynch, well, I think well, his the, name the, the, the original guy that they wanted to play the, the principal there, um, he was shooting the film and was playing Jonathan Hawthorne, but during production, he actually passed away. Oh, okay. Okay. And they ended up in post-production, they ended up having to shoot additional scenes with a different actor playing Jonathan Hawthorne because they weren't able to film everything with the other man because he passed during filming. Right. I'll have to look it up, but I do believe his name is Charles Lynch. I forgot to put him down. Oh, yeah, Lynch. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I forgot to write him. I forgot to write his name down. Yeah. But Charles Lynch, I believe that's it. Circumstance to have Mm -hmm. an actor pass away during filming, uh, but uh, he was he was very old. So yeah, and they said that um, if I'm not mistaken, they said that he wasn't doing very well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Rob Zombie tried to get him in one more of his films, but he only but ended up couldn't. being able to use yeah. what he had shot. And uh, I, I believe he's still in the movie. Um, it's just some of it had to be redone with a different Yeah. Actor. Yeah. So, sad story, but... Um, but yeah, obviously, Sid Haig is, is the, the yeah. greater loss to the horror community. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Even even though I wasn't a fan of uh, Rob Zombie's movies or anything like that, I have to I have to admit, I really did like Sid Haig. Because he, yeah. he did make every character his own. You know, yeah. like... Um, uh, Captain Spaulding, you know, yeah. he is Captain yeah, Spaulding, you know, movie, nobody um, else can play him, that's for dang sure. Mm-hmm. And, I'm uh, really glad that I got to meet him while he was alive and still healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did meet him at Texas Frightmare Weekend, didn't you? Yeah, yeah he, he was a really cool guy. Yeah, so, well, guys, this is the end of my podcast. Um. Uh, Jesse, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, I hope you have fun. Yeah. Uh, hope, hopefully, you'll you'll sign on for more um uh discussions. I always um yeah, I always put um discuss discussions on my uh group page. So I, which guys, you guys all know, my group page is uh, horror movie warriors on Facebook, guys. Uh, just uh, uh, put us in the search engine, look us up, and um, ask to be invited, and we will invite you in. So, good group. Yes, I I, I love it. I I love the fact that I made it. I love the fact yeah. that I made it. So, well, guys, until next time. Until next time, I am going to do another bonus one. This um, this is my first bonus one. The second bonus one will be about Night of the Creeps, and that one is a very uh, that one is mu very much so uh, lighthearted, way lighthearted than Lords of Salem. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is true. Yes, very very much so lighthearted. So, uh, well, until next time, guys. We'll see you later. This has been Latrice Carter, uh, Nathan Dilla, and Jesse Herrera, and we'll talk to you guys later.